Okay, good evening. Welcome to the Community Police Oversight Work Group meeting on August 21st. Appreciate you all being here. It's nice to see you. Does uh, anybody need a copy of the agenda? Should have one. And this is on the 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 website as well. Uh, the meeting is on Zoom, so you can pull up the agenda from the city website. We're going to get a copy. That was not good. Sorry. All right. Do they have one there? Okay, um, so let me give you just a, a quick welcome and walk through of the agenda, and then we'll we'll jump into it because we've got a lot to cover tonight. Um, so meeting logistics. So we are on Zoom right now. This meeting will be um, recorded and archived, and you'll be able to view it uh, along with all our um, related documents on the community engagement portal on the city's website. So where it says community engagement, click on there, and there's a specific uh, button for the community police oversight work group. So that's the the repository, if you will, for all of our um, working documents and resource documents and key documents um, can be located there. Um, we did, as a group, decide last week to extend the meeting time officially from 6 to 8.30 tonight because uh, we know that we have a lot of work to do. So we will plan to use all of that time and as many of you have also expressed, we've got a lot of work to do and some questions about can we do it all in the next two meetings. And so we're gonna have a dedicated discussion about that here um, very shortly as well. Um, next on our agenda for this evening, uh, we're going to talk about the complaint process, review and improvements. Last week, we had a presentation from the police department on the current complaint process and had um, a lot of good information there, and we did some good Q&A, so you have the opportunity to ask questions. I know that it also generated some additional questions, so we're going to spend some time revisiting that conversation and diving into those areas that we didn't get to last week to make sure that we've got everything. And then any kind of observations or insights that you want to speak to, we'll have the opportunity to do that. From there... I, agenda item number three, we're going to talk about a review of the topics for consideration as outlined in the city commission resolution. So as you look at the agenda there, um, I, I put forward the question to you, what ideas do you want to discuss regarding the following topics? And I appreciate your thoughtfulness heading into our meeting. Um, three big bucket areas, if you will, that were outlined in the city commission project charter and the subsequent resolution that defines our work as a work group, uh, first and foremost centers around the complaint process. And so we're gonna spend a good amount of time today after we do our Q and A, um, spending time identifying what are the key areas specific to the complaint process that you want to identify as a work group that are gonna lay the foundations for some draft recommendations. And so within that, receiving, investigating, resolving, and reporting complaints, the public reporting related to the complaint process, and then roles and responsibilities relative to the complaint process. So um, I'll be eager to hear what ideas that you have that you want us to discuss tonight. And then we're gonna also have a conversation about how we move forward uh, towards draft recommendations. The second major area, if you will, is the CPRB, um, 
advisory oversight and or review capacity. So one of the questions that was put to us is to reflect on the um, oversight authority, if you will, of the CTRB. And so there's some questions that we need to explore there. And then as a sub subtopic within that, the CPRB has had a community engagement subcommittee and policy review subcommittee. And I would I want to spend a little bit of time having you weigh in on what work needs to be explored in terms of possible recommendations or pros and cons of how the CPRB work interfaces on community engagement and policy review. And then the other area that I asked you to be thinking about is board structure, membership, and qualifications. So we've had a number of comments, both from the community conversations and from all of you within the group um, on thoughts on who should serve structure of the board and then what are the qualifications and, and an expansion of that might be training and onboarding for new members relative to that. Um, so eager to hear what you've come up with so far or what you think we need to explore further on that. And then anything else that is on your mind that's important for consideration relative to possible recommendations, then this is a chance tonight to hear um, where you want to go forward with that. One yes. thing that's on my mind, I think everybody here is a reader of newspapers. Yes. It was it Saturday or Sunday? There was an article suggesting that the police review board, according to a consultant, would be combined with uh, human relations. And is what we're doing here moot? Yes, that's a great question. Yeah, so several of you reached out with that very same question, and we absolutely need to discuss that um, because I, I learned of that on Sunday or whenever as well. The committee on committees that this that has been meeting to propose restructuring boards and committees across the city, um, with a primary task, I think, of trying to consolidate those and reduce the number of them, is working on or has produced a draft set of recommendations on combining of those. And at least one of the recommendations directly relates to the work that we're doing. And so that committee was created to solve a different set of problems than what you were created to solve, but there's a relationship there and we need to talk through that. So that's, um, I will add that right here. Um, committee on committees is what okay. um, that's uh, been discussed. Okay. Then um, the next item on the agenda, number four for this evening, is drafting the report and recommendations. And so I want to spend some time talking about just broadly the report format. So what that ultimately might look like as the product of your work. I want to talk about our process for drafting the recommendations. And then ultimately your task with presenting a set of recommendations and a report to the city commission. And so I want to talk a little bit about what you need to do to um, prepare for that and as we plan that accordingly. And a major question that we might want to get to sooner than later in this meeting is how much time is it going to take to do all the things before us to be able to be ready with a draft report for um, the commission's consideration. So we're going to have a dedicated time during this meeting to talk about our process for that. 
and ensure that we make the um, that we've got a good game plan and we make whatever adjustments we need to make to to get that done. And um, and and I know you have thoughts on what that would look like. And then the last item on our agenda this evening is next steps and future meetings. So I want to have clarity as a group on what our homework will be between now and our next meeting in terms of reviewing documents, notes, and drafting recommendations. And then um, we are currently scheduled for one more work session, which is August 28th um, from 6 to 8.30 p.m. here at um, fire station number five. And so I want to talk about what those remaining work tasks might look like and what we need to do to um, accomplish our work. And um, there is not any word yet from the city manager's office and the city commission about when they're expecting to see our work product. So we're not scheduled on any future city commission meeting agenda yet. So um, uh, if we get more information or, or we can talk about that as we go. Um, but I just want to flag that for you as well. So that's our agenda. So a lot to cover. And um, we have both the process work of how we're doing this, and then we have the work itself of deliberation and discussion of draft recommendations. So any questions on agenda? All right, let's do it. All right. Um, so what I was um, for the complaint process, um, as I was reflecting on what we covered and then just feedback that I heard from you as we were leaving and um, and then as we were, uh, and as I was working on the agenda, there were some, some key parts that we didn't discuss at all last week when we looked at the current complaint process. And then there were also just a number of questions that I assumed would kind of bubble up um, in the time that you um, have between last week and this week. So what I was gonna to suggest to prime your thinking on that and revisit the current complaint process that we're tasked with improving upon, that we pull up the um, presentation from last week to jog your memory on some things. A couple of specific things that some of you reached out to say, we did not talk about what the current CPRB does relative to the existing complaint process. So we need to be really, um, we need to have a potential discussion about that. We also didn't uh, discuss in detail the types of complaints that the CPRB is currently tasked with looking at, as opposed to the other types of complaints that were delineated within the complaint process itself. So um, so those were two things that stood out for me that um, we needed to have time to focus on so that you can then develop recommendations accordingly. What else? I would just ask, I'd like to ask if everyone thinks they're up to speed on our current ordinance. As defective as it might be, do we all think we've got a good handle on what it says now? I know that, okay, that the CPRB members, they should be shaking their heads strongly, but uh, I'm wondering if everyone else is okay with knowing what's in it. Good, okay, because that's going to speed things up, I think. Yeah, because there's quite a lot in there, but we need you to be very familiar with it so that we're tackling the right issue. So, 
Would it be helpful to pull it up? Is that what you're suggesting, or you just want to engage? No, if people okay. are familiar with this kind of that's fine. Okay. That's, you know, I, I mean, that's what I'm looking at, is what needs to be changed in that ordinance. The police policies on complaints will follow along. Yeah. Uh, they're two separate things, what the police policies are on the complaints and then what the, the CPRB uh, ordinance calls for with complaints and, and the ordinance trumps the police policies. So whatever we come up with here in changing to our current ordinance, police will need to go back and, and the CPRB as well will need to go back and make sure the two are compatible. Put together hand in glove, right? And ultimately the, um, the work product that we're tasked with is a report with recommendations. The process of developing an ordinance, as, as I understand it, unless the commission comes back and says something differently, would likely be a next iteration <laughs> working with the recommendations that you all produce. So if you're anxiously thinking that we've got to come up with a fully revised ordinance to propose by the end of next Monday evening, so, I think there is a revised ordinance. We don't have that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but your recommendations are are in the form of um, recommendations, options, pros and cons in a report format. And then we'll need direction from the city commission on what that looks like in terms of taking it into an, an ordinance. Um, that's my that's my understanding. So I don't know that I have a copy of the ordinance, but I do have Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Now take uh, ten and seconds to read it. And that's also on the uh, that's also on the portal. Um, okay, so um, so my suggestion is let's let's pull up the presentation and then um, uh, and then I'm going to just turn it to you all to pose the questions that you want to explore. That we didn't get to last week, so we got a good understanding of the current process. And um, Labricious said you presented if we're to talk specifically about the CPRB's current role relative to the complaint process, specific slide that we think would be helpful to pull up here. No, I mean, it's fairly simplistic. It's to hear appeals of radio or other advice, but applies basically these. Okay. In a nutshell. And can we see, can you up the slide it shows the process. Um, one thing that um, that you you all identified in our first meeting is for our mapping purposes and ultimately as part of the recommendations, we're building out a flow chart of with more detail on what the, the complaint process looks like and then we'll be able to contrast that with whatever recommendations you produce. So I started to build a, a, a template of that in Vizio. And if any of you really like to work in Vizio and creating flowcharts, and then one of you have already talked to me about that, um, I would welcome your assistance on that. And we'll 
build it into that so it's easy to, to uh, manipulate and put forward your proposed changes. From so I have um, another question concerning if you make any changes to a complaint process, how does the union impact? Hmm. How does the union impact anything that we do? Because if they don't like it, then, you know, is it null and void? So they have a memorandum of understanding and that does lay out some of the pieces of the complaint process and like what they may have access to as far as rights, things like that. They have some privacy clause in there. Um, so it's something that we probably have to um, get looked at by the city attorney's office, whatever they decide. I think if we, my opinion on this is if we get to the what, what the group, what, what we want, we'll be able to maybe get that on paper. If we get to the how, We'll spend an hour in here on each topic because there's complexities that are beyond just I want a blue pen. Um, and so, if if the group talks about what they want, then then uh, whether it's in a subgroup or with the city attorney's office, we can probably get to the how. But if we get to the how, we're going to get so tied up in nuances. To your point, that that it's going to be difficult for us to get done in two or twelve sessions. And that's part of the shortfall of previous groups trying to come up with an ordinance. There, there's still things. And then it's also part of why we have the ordinance that we do that was presented in 2017, 2018, because of some of the things that are limiting. And like we could discuss if there's like a big limiting, but I think if we get into writing an ordinance, as you say, we're going to be here forever. But uh, our charge is to put our recommendations forward mm -hmm. and then other folks can negotiate with the union if there's a way that they operationalize our suggestions that is contrary to what they currently have. It's possible that whatever we come up with our recommendations align with the current memorandum of agreement and the current whatever's been negotiated with the union. So as long as we're not saying that what we're wanting to see in the process is for there to be public flagellation, we should be fine. And again, that that's something that the attorneys can work out when they put the ordinance together. And we should not be expecting to do our own investigation or impose our own perceptions. You know, none of us who are professionals want somebody who knows nothing about the work we do telling us how to do it. And, you know, our our question is, how do we review in some appropriately deferential way to make sure that this really was investigated And in an unbiased way, and the, and the public was served by what was done, not how you do it, because I'm not an investigator. That's my take. And I'm also not the person who was in that situation with without the option of walking away and <clears throat> made certain choices. I mean, we're not we're not writing the police department's review process or investigation process. We're looking at the review process once that done, once 
once that's done, that's my intent. Okay, let me speak to two things because we just tackled, we just went on two different tracks. So I want to make sure I'm naming it. So the first question is specific to if this group produces recommendations that has some impact or could potentially be impacted by the current contract that the city has with LPOA, is that our job to sort that out? And what I'm hearing is it's not our job to sort that out. Um, that would be a subsequent set of conversations and discussions. But rather than concern ourselves with the how we would want to make changes, we really just need to be able to articulate in the form of recommendations what we want to see accomplished through any kind of changes or improvements. And, and that's ultimately our work. Is that? In the review process, not the investigative right, process. Right. Yeah, is that a fair way of, there's a, if there's a major caveat, and you know, we haven't really spoken, like, okay, a police contract can do it. Maybe if we know of something, then we'll at least put it out there so the group can have that knowledge. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, so I we'll work. I don't, we'll be, I don't yeah, I, I don't know. But we'll, we'll look. And, and I'm not saying we make a decision. I'm just saying, right. give, give information so a mindful decision can be made. And, and to, in fairness to all of your efforts, if you're putting forward an idea that's dead in the water, I would expect the PD to say something so that we're not, you know, wasting time, building up hopes on something that's not going to happen. So, um, well, in, in my experience working with the city, um, our recommendation should have some thoughtfulness towards how it will be in practice. Um, working with them on several different ordinances over the year, it, it can happen pretty quickly. I, I wouldn't say that um, that it's impossible for us to be a little bit more specific, particularly if there's if there's maybe maybe we give a list of different recommendations where there's two or three that are central to our what we definitely want to see happen. I would say that for those, it would be beneficial to to find sample language from other ordinances or just kind of help out the uh, legal office a little bit. Um, that's just been my experience. So I don't think that we should be like pie in the sky, like not thinking about the actual practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, particularly particularly if there's a couple that are very important to the group. And and if I'm I, I'm not mistaken, you were just actively part of a successful effort to build out um, a new ordinance, and so um, so there's there's a really good history of of engaging community members with city um, legal to uh, build out draft ordinance language. So um, if the commission comes back and Casey, if I'm off on this, the commission comes back and says, we want your work to include that as well, then we live on to until we've done that part of it as well. But as I understand yeah. currently, we don't have to um, expect to do that in the next a uh, couple of sessions that were gathered as a group. Go all the way to the form of the draft ordinance. Okay. Um, and then the second piece is you uh, that I was hearing is that you were weighing in on um, specific ways of thinking about the difference between review as, uh, as opposed to investigation. Correct. And that's a whole rich conversation that we'll need to have as well. So I don't want to let that one go. Okay. Um, so let's talk about the current complaint process <laughs> as it was presented. And then 
just established so we're all really clear what the CPR means currently is relative to that complaint process. So I will look to one of you all to kind of walk us through that and then invite everybody to ask questions. Yes, or somebody else. Either you or CPRB member, can you tell us and what would be the what's the most useful slide that references we go through? Is this it or well the the one that shows the chain of review, maybe? Okay. Let's look at that would be the start seeing things over at Listen here. So at some point. Uh, someone is, a complainant is afforded the opportunity to file an appeal with the findings in the police investigation concludings, conclusions. Those conclusions will be founded, unfounded, uh, those, those four or five categories of conclusions that the police investigator will come to and he submits to the chain of command for review and comment. At some point, uh, and maybe it's after the chief's review, I've seen it other ways, but after the chief's review, then the complainant is sent a letter saying your complaint was found to be unfounded um, or not sustained. And that triggers uh, a 15, I'm sorry, 14 calendar day period in which the complainant from receiving that written finding from the police, he or she has uh, to bring an appeal to the CPRB if it's a race, racial or other bias-based policing complaint that they made. If it was some other complaint they made or if they didn't say anything about racial bias, or, or a bias on one of the categories as it's defined in the ordinance. Now I can list those in a minute, but uh, then it, they don't have the ability under our ordinance to bring an appeal to the CPRB. It just stops at the police department findings. But if it's a racial or other bias-based policing complaint, then that's where they, the 14 calendar days comes in for them to file a written appeal to the CPRB asking for a review of the investigation. Then the police department is required to provide to the CPRB members the investigation report that supports their findings. There are, while, while it says, uh, I think it uses the word entire IA report, there are there's a pretty long laundry list of things that are excluded from what they provide to the CPRB. So that be that as it may, they're, and they're they're under an obligation to make redactions to those things from the material they provide. How they're going to do that with video and audio recordings, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. I guess well, if this stays time, that way. Time. Um, there are no real timelines on how long they have to do an investigation or how long the CPRP has to uh, review the investigation report and make its conclusions. The CPRB uh, 
their conclusion is either uh, where they find whether or not they believe the uh, internal investigation report. Um, and I'm looking for these. Well, the Based on the confidential review and deliberations of the complaint, the board shall make a written recommendation to the city manager affirming or disputing the police department's findings and making a recommendation on whether further investigation is needed. They will not make any recommendation about disciplinary action. Uh, And then the city manager takes that report and either affirms or denies the department's investigation. So it it uh, there's another level there. Well, there it's their city manager's office. I guess the CPRB's review would be between the chief's action and the city manager's office, the city manager's conclusion. And essentially advisory only. Yes. So it's it's currently so those people after the chief so the red if you remember people would sign off physically sign off and say whether they agree or what or disagree that there's a different policy whatever sustain not sustain all the different findings that that can happen the red the people in the white are people who will opt often typically see um, an investigation at that level so level one is a major violation so um now it may, while it may not be the city manager almost certainly be assistant city manager casey tune well it may not be the city attorney it'll be the assistant city attorney in that nature so uh the legal and human resources are probably not 100 probably 90 because some things are very clear cut um but this is the manager's office would still be but they're not making a recommendation at this level, other than I don't like what you did, have you thought about this? You're, you're questioned at the department level. But all that would be confidential. No one outside that those groups would know about it, correct? Okay, so let me jump in. So we just covered a lot. Um, for those of you who are not on the CPRB, what questions do you have about the current process or current role? What do we need to clarify? I don't think that uh, the CPRB is represented on this slide. Um, the CPRB would be the next step. And so my main concern is the slide before the complaint is filed or at the point where the complaint is filed and then outside of the process. So whether it's a level one or level three, this does not represent the CPRB. That happens after. Yeah. So this this um, this is not reflective of what we were just discussing that right. way. Um, since we're going to video together, can I ask you this? Would you flag in your notes what visually what that um, might look like as we begin to build that out? So. Um, all the slides that were presented in here are internal to the police department and not purview of what we would be discussing. Um, external, when it's before it is officially placed, and then once it goes to the CPRB is really kind of where we're, we can't change police policy. 
um, we can say our expectation is that this volume, this type, this inflammation leaves out of your process or where the CPRB comes in. But the way that this is currently set up, the CPRB and the complainant are not reflected in these slides. So when I think of Visio, um, I think about some of the information that was shared at the last meeting that was outside of the slide, which is people can complain to any, can file a complaint to any of 17 different places. Um, and then afterwards, um, it can take months, years for um, an investigation to take place because it has to wait for whatever legal proceeding that's accompanying it to be completed. And so then they're receiving by mail and have 14 calendar days to respond to something that might have taken place two months ago if we're excited and things are moving swiftly or two years ago. Um, and there's no telling if the person still lives at the physical address that was provided for the investigation. So my concerns are making sure that whatever process we come up with is the least burdensome on the complainant. Final follow-up on um, the statement you made as a CPRB member. I think it's important that um, just to note that that slide, slide has the description of the board. That's probably the most basic description that we have here, but I think we need to keep in mind that to the date, we have not been able to review anything um, as a board. Um, we haven't gotten to that point. So it's at the point where even the bylaws and the ordinance that we have in place have not allowed us to move forward with our role as board members. And that's just what it is. Um, so I just think, you know, if we go back to the slide that you can describe our purpose, you know, we've been trying to serve on this board and, and, and do our role within the complaint process. But if we look at the it's kind of hard to see, but even the first sentence talks about um, our role as an advisory, you know, advising the, um, yeah, if I'm reading that correctly. Um, you know, regarding the issues affecting the Warren Police Department. So we're, you know, the CPRD, we're not even kind of um, looking outside the scope of the complaint process even. You know, we've been really focused on the complaint process. Uh, but yet we haven't even been able to review one complaint. So I just I just think that's really important to keep in mind as we're trying to make these recommendations. Um, you know, just I just want to put that out there. You know, um, this is probably the only slide that's going to give us a big, you know, a basic understanding of anything that we can do, um, which we haven't been able to do. Um, so I'll leave it at that. So that's one of the issues we need to, that's one one point that we need to discuss, maybe debate, is do we broaden the category of complaints that can be appealed to the Citizen Police Review Board? And I can, <laughs> can start making an argument now. <laughs> yes, we should. <laughs> that I think uh, would probably gain everyone's, at least to the concept of broadening it. We might, might be some arguments about, well, how broad do you make it? But at least broadening it to some extent uh, so that we take on more complaints Beyond or more appeals. Space. So, so, one, so one of the things that we're establishing in this discussion right here is what are the areas that you want to focus your energies around exploring in terms of potential recommendations. And so one one then might be, do we broaden beyond 
that in my mind is the biggest one that we, we need to address. And it might be an easy one too, but it's the biggest one. And it seems to me to fit in with no, what people here. at our community conversations brought up uh, about more accountability and uh, more types of complaints being handled. I'd also like to revisit the conversation from last week about identifying when an interaction is a race-based interaction versus not. It's often not seen in the moment at the time as a race-based issue. It doesn't come out until later on when you're looking at data patterns, trends that you realize what's happening. I doubt with all the training that the LPD has that anybody is out there using racial slurs when they're interacting with members of the public. So an interaction might not on its face appear to be racially motivated. And you're asking- Change to be broader. And that you're asking the person at the time that they're making the complaint to make a determination to decide how it's going to go through. And then at the appeals, they can only appeal the decision that's being made. It doesn't sound like they're able to revise their complaint at that time to say, actually, I've spent, time has passed and I am no longer in the throes of whatever happened and I'm able to, or I've spoken with other members of the community and I'm able to say that my interaction with that person might have been race-based. Um, the main thing I would be concerned about, I'm fine with broadening the scope <clears throat> and I think it needs to happen in order to make sure that we're address addressing race-based things when it becomes apparent that it is. Um, I worry that if it, were, if it broadens too far, that it will lose the power that it was intended for. And so I would hate for the CPRB to spend all of their time focusing on a very loud person who said <laughs> about the speed with which an officer drives through their neighborhood uh, because they've done it multiple times and that that takes away from the time to focus on some of that data and trends of negative interactions with specific individuals um, and members of the community. So I am for broadening it for the purpose of making sure that race-based issues are being identified, but I don't want to do so in a way that would cause the CPRB to spend a lot of time not addressing racial bias. I think that makes sense. go back a step further and ask the question about are the members of the CPRB and the police department, I know that we talked about the amount of training that happens before a police member is all the way on board and they'll have to uh, operate alone. And I know that there's probably some implicit bias training, but are there IATs done and are the work group members also subject to IATs? I don't know what an IAT is. I don't know. I'd be ignorant if I was asked to answer your question. Implicit association. Pardon me? Implicit association. So I know that um, at initially, I say initially, but when we started talk, taking racial advice, basically seeing from the Dr. Lori Fidel, who's kind of a natural expert on that, through a training, we took a um, bias uh, test through like something that Harvard University thinks, and it was for your own, you know, here's where I stand as, as a today person. Um, so we had taken that test through somebody who was authorized to get that test. Um, but there's not standard tests that go along or everything. But there's quite a bit of training and there's also a training. Well, I know Harvard has, um, it's pretty user friendly so people can take it again over time or online now. I know that they're not very really starting in 2016, I think it was, from Harvard. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
but people can take it on. And there's like, they've actually added more uh, things to it now. So now people can take IATs for how they may how they may be fat, fat people or how they may be people who are European but Islamic faith. And so they, they have broadened those tests now. And I would wonder if the CPRB, so kind of to, to your question, you're kind of asking about, well, if they broaden it, will they be able to give adequate time to race-based complaints or appeals? But I'm wondering if that time that we're talking we're talking about people's time could be spent um, in proper training, being able to actually process those um, race-based situations. To identify them in the first place. Right, right. So the issue kind of is there's a very specific state statute of what policing and racial or bias-based police. You gave an example of what um, you felt like last week, five people felt that they were rude to them. And that might be the, the, the police officer just an asshole, for lack of a better term, right? But there's a very specific statute on it, it, it's the action taken based on uh, based on race that makes it bias-based policing. It's another step, though, because you're asking the person who is not well-versed in the statute to self-identify whether or not a, a situation happened. You see what I'm saying? It is on the complainant to say, this happened, and this is race-based, so I need to move it forward in this way. Yeah, but the scenario you gave couldn't be bias-based police under the definition because it's not action. It is if I'm able to prove a pattern of an action that was taken, as in pulling me over in my driveway. That is an action that was taken. Yours was being rude, right? No, That's mine was the action like. being pulled over in my driveway. So being pulled over is, is so long as the action is done because of race. Right. And how do I know in that moment when it's just me, if the reason why I was pulled over in my driveway is because I was a black woman or was it because I just happened to be in a particular neighborhood at a period of time? Or is it not until I have a conversation with six other people on in my neighborhood who got pulled in over in their driveway of varying races? Or is it all over the city, people that are black are getting pulled over into their driveway? I, as the individual complainant, do not have access to that information. And I'm not able to make that determination. And then I'm not able to appeal it based on that. So let me um, I jump in. Can you say that again? Is oh. it, did our Zoom <laughs> We don't know. We, we've had a concern that somebody's not able to access the meeting. So we, I was wondering if we could take a pause so we could figure that out. And maybe it will be resolved quickly. I just okay. don't want to, if people are waiting and can't access the meeting, I'd like to try to resolve that before we miss a lot of stuff on our recording. Okay, this is a really important discussion, so I'm, I I hate to like break right then. Um, if if technically we need to do that, I guess we need to do that, but I just want to name this before we, we move on. One of the things that I'm hearing is that this in the in the context of the CPRB work, it's specific to individual complaints, and the goal that um, that the CPRB is currently structured to address. There is concern that what if either race isn't identified as a aspect of the complaint at the beginning? Um, how is that taken into account? Um, and especially if we're seeing a pattern over time, and that to me raises a question of what does what is the CPRB's role relative to that? That would be outside of an individual complaint, but looking at patterns or trends over time, and um, do we have a role, or what would that role potentially look like um, relative to that? 
Um, so our ordinance doesn't cover that now, but there are ordinances that do cover it as far as newly discovered evidence. So even if the board had had said unfounded to your complaint, uh, if six months later you found some evidence that wasn't available to you before, uh, then uh, this ordinance says that the board will re-review it with that new evidence taken into consideration. I think we have to pause because we're dealing with talking. Yeah, yeah, we've got it. We we need to spend more time on this this uh, question. Um, <laughs> I don't know what they're just saying. We need to we need to break because we got to check the technology side and make sure Zoom's okay. Um, let's take a ten minute break. We'll reconvene and um, uh, right at seven o'clock. All right, thank you. Okay, so we're back from our break, and what we think we have pieced together is that the link on the agenda was to a different Zoom meeting. So if folks were trying to access this, they were not able to do so. However, our agenda language says the primary way to access this meeting is in person, and that we can't guarantee access via Zoom because of technical difficulties. So we can argue if this is a technical difficulty or not, but what I think we're going to do is stay on this meeting so that you all can keep working. I'm gonna leave here and go try to find our city clerk and see if we can get the correct link updated onto the agenda. I can't guarantee that that's gonna be able to happen, but that's what I'm gonna try. Does that make sense to everybody? Anybody have questions about that? And we have the meeting ID. So if, if any of you, usually we don't have a lot of people that participate live on Zoom in real time. Most people are viewing it after the fact. But if any of you know anyone who's trying to get on right now, you can text them the meeting ID if they're wanting to view it live. So, um, And I'll read it. It's 921-6010-3898. That's 921-6010-3898. The passcode is 861531. 861 Okay. So I'll go. I can get accomplished and I apologize for the delay and the error. All right. All right, that's all right. Yeah, so if, if anybody's reaching out to you, we'll just do that. Thank you, Casey, for yeah. solving that. I appreciate it. Um, okay, so we were talking about um, dinner and drinks or something like that. What my brain back in. I hate stuff like that, so we'll make it work, though. Um, okay, so we just had uh, whatever technology snafu, the, we're on one Zoom link, the Zoom link posted through the agenda was a different one, so people are having trouble accessing in real time. All of this will be archived and will be posted on the portal so people can see it, um, but it just disrupted a really good discussion here, so now I want to kind of revisit and get us back into the space of where we were at um, before we had to break. Um, so... Um, and I'll do my best, and then you jump in and tell me that I didn't get it right. <laughs> but um, one concern that was identified last week and that we were just revisiting is that 
The CPRB is currently tasked with reviewing complaints only specific to racial or other bias-based policing um, as that's defined. And the question that was raised last week is what if a complaint is made and it's not identified by the complainant at the time that it is in fact racially based? And how does our process capture, or does it capture the possibility that with time, distance, or further information, or more um, uh, upon further reflection, someone says, actually, my complaint really does have a racial component to it. Um, and I want to make sure that that's um, recognized as such. Or a companion issue is, what if a complaint is dismissed as not having a racial component to it, but the community or the complaint or someone is recognizing that there are a number of similar complaints that happen to have a shared racial component to it, even though when they were first raised as complaints, race wasn't identified at the time. So the question is, how does the current complaint process capture that? And then the follow-up question that I was throwing to you all is what's the CPRB's role relative to that? So is that a fair summation of where we were at and, and what the issues were? Sure. Okay, so. The answer is yes, right? Because once you've made, if you come back and say, I'm, I'm making a bias-based policing, by law we're required to report that to the Attorney General's office and do an investigation on it and have a disposition. But the answer is, it does capture that. If now, upon new evidence, you're saying, someone is saying, right? I believe this is racial and bias-based policing. By law, we would have to report that to the Kansas Attorney General's office and show a disposition of, a, of an investigation. But, but the CPRB, that the ordinance doesn't address that. Uh, so that could be addressed. Okay, so and I gave one way it could be addressed. I don't know if that's satisfying or not. Is there any reason why, if we if we do know the demographics of the person submitting the complaint, and with the understanding that the complaints haven't been too many thus far, would it would it be a stretch as long as there wasn't burden and there was consent of the complainant that if that if they belong to a race or another uh, biased group? Um, that it couldn't be automatically categorized that way. I think it's sort of the process of coming back later of, you know, all of that. Maybe we could just say if somebody. Um, so we're assuming guilt and we prove innocence? No, we're collecting data and looking at trends. Well, by and assuming so, that it is, you're assuming that that, that, that is already what's taking place well, and that's already Well, a complaint's already coming forward. I'm saying if it gets to the, to the CPRB, as a complaint anyway, and if we're thinking about broadening the scope to more types of complaints, if, if the complainant falls under the category of it could have been biased, why not get rid of all the extra steps and just, you know, explore it? Well, now, if the CPRB member sees that, oh, this complainant is black, and some other issues along those lines, although it's not, hadn't been brought up, you think the CPRB could ask for further investigation. And that's another option that the CBR, CPRB would have is to say, we move that you further investigate it with regards to concerns about race. 
And if CPRB looks at all alleged bad conduct, then that is going to capture patterns. Yes. I'm assuming that when you investigate it, if it's a complaint and they and you find some other violation possible, you also look into that, even though the complaint didn't raise it. Yeah, many times uh, that's not uncommon at all. So that here's the complaint, but in the course of the investigation, it showed yeah. these other violations. We always bring those. So when we were talking about last week, we were saying that somebody can complain in a number of ways to a number of places. Um, do they have a standardized form in which they put the complaint? Is it possible to capture information there for later use to aggregate the data to then identify trends? So if I, again, with the parking lot and the driveway, by the way, this did happen and um, I, um, it is difficult to speak about something that caused me a great deal of fear in the moment. And so while I'm comfortable using it as an example, um, I ask that you um, recognize the fear um, that I had in the moment and um, to a certain extent, the stress that it brings in the retelling. Um, I know I entered it as an example, but this is a real life thing that happened to me and um, it was terrifying. Um, so that being said, if we see that, um, again, we said Officer Lawrence was the example. Officer Lawrence has 10 complaints against him over the course of the last quarter. All of the complainants were black women and they were taken at 2 p.m. in a three block radius, but none of them identified the stop as being racially motivated. It is not in their responsibility to identify the trend. Um, so when you look at the statute that you were talking about, it says that you have to look at the intent at the time that the action took place. There's no way for an individual to notice the intent of a racial situation unless derogatory words were used at that time. Absent of that, it is a pattern that would attend, identify the behavior. And so if the complaint could have a standardized form and ideally someone that could help you fill it out, especially for folks that might not be um, literate, that might not have um, strong English skills, and then they have the opportunity to self-select which categories that they might belong to. And then we can look at patterns and um, to Alex's point, there's a lot of data already out there. Um, and when you were talking about the data that's collected in GPS, you're, you, some of that geographic bounding is already shown. You're already able to identify that. The complainant doesn't have access to the records. They don't have access to the other situations. And so the only way they can identify something is their own individual at the time. And they can have a deep-seated fear but that doesn't mean that they're able to articulate what a pattern is for someone that they're not identifying themselves. And so when I say that the process should be as least burdensome as possible on the complainant, I'm meaning the burden of researching patterns, they would never have the access to that. That is something that the CPRB can do. And you can create just an ID number for the police officers if you're worried about um, their information getting out. You could say, 
Officer Lawrence is actually Officer One. And we look at the complaints that have come in over the last six months for Officer One, 80% of them were Black women. Well, in a population that's only three, four percent Black people, and women are only 50%, if that's 80% of their stops, you have a problem that the CPRB should be asking the chief of police to look into further. And that is done already by social scientists. And is that given to the CPRB for review? Given to the CJCC and its open record. I'd like that record then. Yeah. That's an official for it. It's on the county website. I want it from the police. The police don't it's not given to you as a report? The police don't control it. It's not our record. Okay. So it's the countywide. It's not Lawrence-wide? Lawrence separated. Who controls Lawrence specifically? How does the information get there? So data, demographic data on the, the OPA collect complaint, that data you said is public? Or where no data on stops. So so just traffic stops. Traffic stops, okay. searches, all that kind of stuff is broken down. Okay. By who? Northeastern University. Northeastern University. And our stuff isn't it? Yeah. So that, that um we haven't really talked specifically about CGCC. Um there is a wealth of of reports, good data that is being done on the county level that impacts everything that we're discussing. That if you've not availed yourself of that, you, you need to. Um, and when I asked the question earlier, it's like, what's the CPRB's role relative to that? I'm familiar with the CJCC's work and looking at patterns and trends and collecting that data. That is not within the scope of the CPRB, but the work. It is related. And so what I'm trying to kind of tease out, and as you're thinking about recommendations, right. we're talking about this in the context of complaints and reviews. Right. Where does this concern and then the related concern around advocacy around issues of um, trends and patterns, I will say right where now, does that roll up into the CPRB? Right now we do get um, like monthly complaints from like a list of the monthly complaints from the chief. He does that by will. He's not obligated or by policy required to give that to us. Um, but would it be even a possible recommendation to see if OPA or you guys internally to give us an aggregate demographic of complaints, like some of that data? Um, and and I mean, is that even like a feasible recommendation? Just I mean, yeah, I think it is. So on the back side, uh, we talked about blue team and IA Pro. Right. Um, where it collects data about who the complainant is, right? Female, uh, male, race, yeah. all those kind of things. So, um, yeah. Now, I don't know. There's, you can have it either way. I think the chief would say that. So I, I'm speaking, but I don't. I don't think that's a big deal to have. Is there enough data in one month to make a determination? Probably not. But probably not. <laughs> yeah. We had like one out of thirty-five complaints this year. Right. That didn't even fall in the scope of. Because I'm a part of CJCC, Matthew Craven provides that information on those stops um, like that. Is it tied to the complaints, though? I don't know if it's tied to the complaints, but I they're not tied to the notes. It's a complaint based. I understand. I would like for there to be data attached to complaints. I'm not saying over here and over here. I'm saying correlated. I, I, I think that would be very, very different. 
because I think he's just doing um, the police spots mm -hmm. right now, and they're not tied to the complaint. Well, it doesn't even break down, you know, Eudora Baldwin, Sheriff's Department, LPD, Highway Patrol. Does it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Does it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm pretty sure that's not Highway Patrol, probably. But, but the Douglas County. But any local law enforcement. Um, so the. Well, go ahead. If, if the intent of the CPRB is for marginalized people to approach them with complaints, then I mean, I think we should think about it from that perspective. If, um, so, if we're talking about um, marginalized people are approaching because they think it's biased space, or is that different from are all kinds of complaints coming their way? And I think we should think about it with that in mind. You know, if we're thinking about only minority races, minority genders, minority sexual orientations are approaching this group, then I think it does kind of change the, you know, how how it would be processed. And I mean, I think that the assumption that it could be bias based is kind of baked into the fact that someone's approaching that group with that. Um, but I think it also gets down into the list of people that we have that can be approached with complaints. I think that's also part of it. And then if we broaden it to include more kinds of complaints, then that would be different. But if we do keep it bias-based, then it, there might be a step there assuming that it could be bias-based. Um, <clears throat> that makes sense to me. So let me, this is good. This is a good discussion. Let me, let me just offer up a few few things to think about. So, and what we're doing is we're fleshing out what you might want to produce recommendations to address. And to your earlier point, what's the what? Um, and then the how is that? So one way to frame this is in the context of complaints and looking at trends or patterns specific to complaints. There's, um, potentially recommendations, and this is where I'm not clear where the CPRB's work begins and ends, or if this is something else, but you have the opportunity for recommendations for, you know, to move the work forward. Um, are there also other recommendations for other approaches that the work group could put forward that would also address complaints about patterns or trends that is not necessarily specific to the complaint process. And and I, I don't know if that's a good choice. I'm just trying to kind of talk through what I'm Well, you know, we could thinking. we could make a recommendation to that every in administrative investigation done by police services includes an analysis based on however you, I can't describe it probably very accurately what you were talking about, but includes an ana a statistical analysis on the race of the claim or the race, yeah, the race of the complaint. It'll be a complaint that, that asks for an administrative investigation. So if that's a component of an administrative investigation, then this, CPRB would get it as part of their review of the administrative investigation. So maybe that's one way to get at it is to require in the ordinance, require that administrative investigations include an analysis, statistical analysis dealing with race and any other. Could be gender, could be sexual orientation, could be, you can list them if you have the data to support that. 
Indians and Are you talking about a soul investigation? Like, no, it just be a component of one. I don't understand what data you would be looking for. So, a complaint is made against, I make a complaint, okay? So, you're getting the race of me? What else? That's basically it. Yeah. Well, then, I don't, that's not a problem. That's, I mean, that's, I don't think that's an issue to give, right? Unless someone doesn't, well, they, some, the some people will tell you they don't want to provide a race. <clears throat> Yeah, that's other than that. So can you get that the stats for that officer? So you want who's the subject of the complaint? So is anybody here a social scientist to break that down where they work, what time they work, what areas they work, all those kind of Well, things. that'd be up to you doing the administrative investigation to do that. <laughs> you cannot develop patterns without data. And if you don't want to provide data, just say you don't want to provide the data. On an individual officer, aggregate it. If an officer like what? Over time, over stops. What if an officer variance? makes thirty stops what in a month? Variance? If an officer makes thirty themselves. stops in a month, what do you themselves? And comparing them to the the population? Yes, yes, to the south and the population. That is the worst it, way, according to the social scientists, compared. So, well, then I'd love to have a social so, scientist involved in the conversation that can tell us how we can connect the trends of the data to the population that's here, so that the CPRB can identify trends of poor policing. Yes, because if one officer makes thirty stops and every single stop is an eighteen to twenty-three year old black woman. There is a likely an issue there. Right. And you're, that, you're talking about a very narrow, specific thing. And you're assuming that the department wouldn't identify that. Yes. So at least as of two years ago, I can't speak to now, there had been zero racial or other bias-based policing complaints that are sustained in Kansas or Missouri. The Lawrence Police Department is sustaining one through data, through looking at trends over time, through hearing complaints more than one and they're and drawing their own connection. So right now so the police are policing themselves so right, to find that they so have right nothing, now did nothing wrong. We're the, that's that that officer lost their certification. Great. Right. There I know there are what? officers that when did that happen? Happen? how do you know that? But no I have a question. When did that happen? the world? Uh the last time so two years ago. Okay. So the CPRB was established in 2018 and this information didn't go to them. Why? Exactly. If we sustain a complaint, why would there be a good exactly. In fact, I the complaint think wasn't made by an individual. It's the exact situation. I understand. Uh, I apologize for speaking over. I don't think that a complaint process should um, rest on the appeals process. I would like for the process to be as least burdensome for the person that is experiencing the hardship as possible. And so there were a number of people who were improperly treated by that individual, which led to their termination. And um, none of their complaints made it out. Um, how many people didn't file a complaint because of whatever number? Um, I'm glad that you guys made the right choice in that situation. But if we do something solely based on complaints and we're not looking at a broader scope, then it does put the burden on the person to file an appeal. So if under what you're saying, the CPRB gets to decide what elevates the racial bias-based policing and they make a determination and an action is taken or no action is taken, let's just say that I have now slandered Officer Lawrence's name. Who's liable? I have not said anything about slandering any particular individual well, because you, you will be able to require bias-based policing that doesn't meet the statute 
I am then saying I that the purpose you of the CPRB, that the purpose of the CPRB is to be kind of like a board of directors. They're not to tell the police, they're not to tell the chief, hey, you need to fire this person. They are to say, hey, we're concerned because we're seeing these trends by this data based on complaints. I don't Not on appeals. The layperson on, on the CPRB, and for the most part, until we start asking expert has the expertise to make that decision. That's what I we think we're here to answer a number of questions. And one of those could be what type of um, knowledge do you want to be represented on a CPRB? Maybe you need to have a social scientist involved in it so that they can help with that. I think when complaints come in, they need to go not just to the police department, but so that we can see all of the complaints. I know the chief is giving that information voluntarily and I commend him for that. But how many get lost? How many um, don't make it to the chief's eyes? How many don't go through the full investigative process? I think that transparency when done right looks really boring. It looks so boring. It's like we had 35 complaints and there are no problems and Lawrence is great for everybody. You're correct, and that's why we haven't seen any go to the appeals process. Well, then there's nothing wrong with providing the information. What for the you're CPRB doing, what you're asking you to do, though, is to assume that a layperson can make a negative judgment on scientific data, and I do not agree with that. Well, I, I can't make a decision on how the street was poured, and, and most people might think that that's a pretty simple thing, but that's I don't know. I'm sure, I don't know what's going on. Absolutely, I understand. And what I see is that we have. Um, the opportunity as a community to um, provide feedback to the police about how we want to be policed. I think when we look at the community groups that um, my concern was also reflected with those individuals that we wanna make sure that we are not unfairly um, subjecting specific groups to action and um, if the only way we can get that information is to have social scientists um, consolidate information and provide it to the lay people, then I'm fine with that. I think that it is important that the work that they do help aid in transparency and not double speak. I think if we are saying we have a complaint process and we have data, then we need to match them up. If they can't be matched up, it doesn't mean that the individual having negative experiences all of a sudden didn't have it. The lack of going forward is not the presence of safety and peace of mind and being heard. And I do have a question and continuation for that. If CJCC can connect the statistics of the stops, right? And they can get that information. Is there not a possibility that when you put in a complaint that you can't get all of that data? So the CJCC gets it, I believe, as a number, right? Mm -hmm. Because it, once you're giving it individually, you're getting into personnel information. Yeah, because they're giving it as a the uh, your overall population, and then breaking down the population, uh, and taking it through the municipal court along with the district court, all of that, right? So they're pulling it that away. So if Matt is able to pull it like that, is there not a possibility that you can't connect the complaint process with everything, you know, as far as pulling data? 
And, you know, Alex, you mentioned, you know, some pieces about that. So I don't understand why you couldn't do that. So I, I'm just asking the question, you know, so I say, for example, I go in and I say, you know, I'm complaining about, I just get the officer badge number of 1458, sure. right? So we can do it by badge number. So the public won't know the badge number, but you would know the badge number. But by badge number, that's over. still PP or PII. So what we would end up doing, because I work for the State Department of Corrections, I'm a research analyst there. What we end up doing is we take the badge number, we aggregate everything up, and we multiply it by 99 and give them a, you know, a Twitter, like a fake ID number, but it still creates it back to them. But even if we're aggregating data, anything that's really to the public, state, local, whatever, it's not going to contain anything on the officer or the individual. It's just going to be basic aggregate totals. And that's possible, but it's going to have to be approved. And that's something that's internal. It can't be done by CPRB, you know, community can advocate for it, but we're not going to get anything unless it's approved by you guys. Period. Yeah, I think it takes me back to the purpose. If the purpose is to make the community safer or improve police citizen relations or address my you know, minority disproportionate contact or disrespectful contact, anything like that, um, you know, I think that why, why couldn't we talk about trends? I mean, this, I mean, why is the board put together if not like a partner to the police and talking about those things together? CJCC. Um. So I'll get my honest opinion is we see zero to three complaints a year of, of, of racial and bias-based policing. And to the point, I think it was brought up earlier, that's it's we're spending a whole lot of time on this very narrow subject that over time <laughs> has not proven to be fruitful for the board to listen to. But what I hear is concerns about how the police department may handle other all, all these different types of situations. Are uh, we continue to spend time on the one subject that has not been brought up to this board? So, but Anthony, are we educating the public though to say, this is how you put in a complaint? Because if, if you don't have the pieces underneath there to say, you know, the police did this, 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 and this to me. So, I, uh, I mean, help me out, because I think what you're saying is this, maybe, I think it was mentioned before, but maybe put the types of things that you believe could have happened to you on a form. Yeah. I think that's what he's going to do. So, that way, you're, you don't feel like you're wasting, you know, any time, because things are happening in the community. We're just not capturing those things that are happening. Right. And so, you, zero to three police, bias policing, that looks good. But is that the actual reality? Because do people, like Jacqueline was saying, do people know that they were a victim of a, a bias policing at the time? Everything happens in a vacuum to an individual. Um, if I get pulled over, I personally am not going to think that it's a racial policing. I'm a privileged, I'm a white dude. It's not going to happen. But oh, they find out, oh, I'm driving my, you know, male fiance around. Oh, we're stopped. We're going to pick out our wedding cake. We talk like, oh, so the officer's like, oh, where are you headed? Oh, we're picking out our wedding cake. And then it becomes a bias-based issue on sexuality, on gender, 
on things like that. I'm not going to know that that was biased until maybe later when I see the patterns emerge. That's the concern that I think we're trying to bring up. And like, perhaps it is a matter of educating, but also is it a matter of, are we looking at, are we capturing the right information to see if bias-based policing is even, ha is happening? Like st statistically across the country, and I know we're not supposed to look across the country because we're, we're focused on Lawrence, it does occur. And to say that Lawrence is immune to it, no, I'm not saying you are, but like to suggest that is does a disservice to the reality that minorities face. So let me just throw out a couple of things that um, that I'm hearing and that you might potentially look to explore on recommendations. So one is um, this whole issue of uh, when I choose to submit a complaint what information am I indicating might be of concern in my complaint? What I'm hearing you say is that there is a form. <laughs> there, is, there is a form. And I think the question was, could you put that on there? I mean, I think it, it's, yeah, I think that's reasonable. It's group is saying, hey, let's put that on. So I potentially recommendation from the group could be that you add fields to this form that would include other areas or, or would prompt the complaints to indicate in this, in the example that we're using, that they think that it might have a, a racial um, basis to it, um, even though that historically hasn't been prompted from a training. Yeah, it's not. That, I don't think so. Okay, yeah. so so that's one possible recommendation. Um, just broadly, in terms of the education piece that's come up time and again, is just how well does the community know? their options and the process for filing a complaint in general. So in theory, you know, if, if you produce a set of recommendations, it's going to more effectively convey the complaint process and how the public can access that, then potentially you're capturing other <clears throat> kinds of complaints that we're concerned about too. So there's another set of potential recommendations. And then the this third is, um, as a complement to the complaint process, is there work that the CPRB can do, should do, relative to um, trends and, and broader concerns? Um, and I don't know what that looks like. And then the last thing that I heard that, I, that you've hit on several times is recommendations around qualifications and who should serve or who is needed and what, in this case, what expertise might be needed on the CPRB. Um, and uh, in the context of the social scientist example. Um, so the, there's a bunch of really needy things right there that could potentially be recommendations. So I'm just trying to flag them as I'm hearing you talk about it. But the discussion is, what do you want to do? What's the actual recommendation? And, and um, and how do we get there? But I just wanted to call that out um, as we're in the moment. Yes. Well, someone needs to start putting this in writing. Yes. That's so, where I was going. And we're about out of time. That's where I was going. So before I get for that, is there anything else that you want to say in the context of this? Because I want to I, I want to pivot to a discussion about how do we end up. How does it become an actual draft recommendation? Then, what's that process look like? 
I'm confused. We have discussed like 10 topics. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're getting a draft record today. I mean, I feel like we, uh, as a group, we have a tendency to go off guard in different areas, which yeah. is normal. You know, we haven't just focused on a subject to say, here's the type of complaints we might want to hear, right? As a, as a, as a group. Right. This um, type, you know, like break, broken down simply. Here's the format to do that. Um, I feel like that's what we were asked to do. Yeah. yeah we're all talking about types of complaints that maybe I'd want to open it up to. Yeah. You might need to pull up a PowerPoint. Can just pull up that there's slide. the different levels. And I did have maybe clarification sure. on regarding what some of them are. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I've heard several that I've taken a note of. Um, yeah, level one, those all those things make sense. Um, personally, I think most of those should go in. Uh, obviously, a, a, a member of the public probably won't know about gross insubordination. Um, yeah, that's, that would be we we talked about the uh, personnel complaints versus complaints so that right, like personnel. Unless you know they're like, hey, Sarge, can I do this? And the sergeant, you hear over the radio, like, no, you can't, and they right. do it. And, yeah, okay, maybe there's there but that's a different issue um i think those could go in um as things that the cprb could hear obviously some are definitely more geared in the legal realm and so i think there is some discussion perhaps and that might be something that the city gets to do as to you know there's very clear Law, well, I shouldn't say clear. There is law, there is case law as to what an unlawful search and seizure is, what is a violation of civil rights, um, things like that. Um, and then on level two, uh, is there a list of them on the next page? I don't remember. Yes. Cool. Um, those seem more like personnel based in my reading of them. Yeah. So, um, I think I feel like the one that would be most common, and it's not real common, but it, it, failure to take a mandatory report uh, for a citizen that would be more citizen based. Mm -hmm. A lot, uh, so it also encompasses a lot of other policies that you can't just list out here. Right. So some of them may be in how an officer handled it in relation to the policies of the Lawrence right. Police Department. But for the most part, uh, yeah. or a large portion of them are multiple violations of minor plates. We elevate that. The other thing is the inappropriate conduct. Uh, I think that is something that it would probably be up to the CPRB to determine was it inappropriate per se. Um, because what I consider inappropriate is definitely different than someone else. And that's, that's fine. That's how life is. But there are also some things that most everyone, you know, the, the general public would see as inappropriate. That's something that could be included as CPRB complaint level material. And then level one, we could go to the example list of that. Um, so, Princeton, no, sorry, level, level three. Level three. So, as you some of that back, so are these internal or external? Yes, some of them are internal. I think what we're talking about in the CPRB hearing is the complaints that come from a citizen member. So, the citizen complains about one of these categories. Right. Wow. Um, the ones that are internal, those buyer policies stay internal. So if if Skyler makes a complaint against me, that's not something the CPRB does. And, and my example of like gross insubordination, a, a person living in Lawrence that has an interaction with the police almost certainly would not know what if the police was acting 
insubordinate plane, unless, like I said, over the radio, they heard it. And then level three, <laughs> sorry. Um, before, before you leave that one, uh, what about an officer reporting another officer <clears throat> using excessive force? That's internal. That's internal. I don't know that it should be. So it's a good question, but what, here's one of the things I would tell you is we have a very good history of our officers reporting to other officers. It's probably the most sustained complaint there is um, as far as because Ian knows the policies of the Lawrence Police Department better than a citizen does. Right. So if he sees me violating those policies, he has a policy, but he, has, he also is under policy that he has to report them, right? When you take it outside that realm, I think you are less likely to see the same thing. Officers would be less likely to report it. I, I believe police officers have a general trust that, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, that administration is going to do what they would consider the right thing or something, and that's why they report that, right? Um, I, I believe that because generally they have like a, a a rep in the meeting, and it's generally one of these LPOA guys, and they'll be the first ones to tell somebody else that hey, you were wrong, and you, this is your trouble. Sorry, or, but there, it's still an assault against the citizen. Yeah, but then that citizen could put in a complaint, and then it would be right. And they so, may not. They may not feel comfortable doing it. I that citizen would be contacted, and I think there's some concern regarding when officers are off duty. And I'm sure your policies handle that too, but that makes, that's just muddy water that my lawyer brain thinks about. Um, but level three examples, um, if I remember, hardiness I'm assuming is internal. Uh, <laughs> this is the one where I, I find the most, I gotta pause and look at, like what? What is rudeness? What is um, a minor traffic vibe? Like that seems very much internal. Some of these definitely are. I could be having a bad day, and so anything that cop says to me is considered rude. Is that something the CPRB should handle? I don't. I don't think so. But if it's the the same officer has had fifteen complaints of rudeness, you know, then the, then it goes to that level too. Uh, and then maybe it is something the CTRB handle. You know, the the level ones are the ones that I'm having the most struggle with, other than inadequate police service and then the belittling and excessive profane language. Those two, I think. So, um, I'm he, sorry, said, he said one. I just want to make sure. Oh, you meant three. three. You meant yeah. three. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I yeah. Um, those are the ones that I think I could see the purvey of the CPRB having more access to and having it be a reasonable access, because if someone calls the police saying, my house was robbed, or I came home, my house has been burglarized, please send an officer out for no other reason than to take my report. And dispatch says, okay, an officer has been sent out, an hour and a half goes by. Then an officer rolls up, it's like, what did I get called out here for? Oh, I don't, oh yeah, you know, it, that's, a complaint. Maybe it needs to go to the CPRB. I don't know. Um, and then, but if you have officers that belittle or are excessively profane towards someone, that kind of could toe the line between why are they being so belittling? Why are they being so excessively profane? There could be deeper issues, like bias-based issues that aren't 
coming to the forefront, but that's why they're behaving the way they are. And so those are the ones that, and I can see arguments on both sides as to why they should remain internal. Um, but that's my suggestion as to how we can expand the CPRV. Level threes, pretty much all of those are going to go on there. Um, Even once. Yeah, sorry, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm struggling here. The most severe ones. I'm just going to start saying most severe. The most severe ones listed in the policies here. Okay. Probably all of those should be going on to into the purvey of the CPRB. Most of those moderate, those level twos going on. Level threes, uh, maybe that's a discussion between the city, then the, the, the union and the police, where we make our recommendation of whatever we want to add on. Um, and then that gets pared down potentially from there. Um, that's that's my thought on how we can expand the CPRB. So say again, which uh, level two? So level twos, I think certain ones, certain ones because the the mandatory, I, like I don't know what a mandatory arrest is. I'm sure statutorily there's definitions to it. I don't know if a citizen would make that complaint that no, you didn't arrest someone, so I'm complaining about it. I'm sure that people do. Um, the spouse of the TV. Uh, yes, DV victims definitely is gonna be the main um, main one there. The mandatory reports, I don't know what's a mandatory report for a police officer. DV, DV? is that the- Felonies. Felonies? If with probable cause. With probable cause. See, I don't do criminal law, like, hmm. <laughs> um, so some of these, and I think actually, like when it says, like, so there's probably cursing in level three, excuse me. Um, and then there's I'm going at, you know, hey, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. That's probably going to get elevated automatically. To right. Same with inadequate police service. Um, so the example you used would be probably would be a good complaint against the department because we hold calls and tell enough people to go to non emergency calls. Right. Different, different story, but um, there might be things that they didn't do as far as collecting evidence or something like that, which that might rise to a level two. Right. right? And that and that's where it kind of gets in, like, how much of this is just something that can be handled internally versus, yeah, the this is part of the citizenry wanting to talk about how they want to be policed, like how they want that police to help them. So ultimately, that's what we use. I think the kind of clear up how I would see this operating, just to give some context for the police officers. If if you were using belittling and excessive profane language, probably more than I'll say three times, because we get you do it once, they don't do that. You do it a second time. I'm like, all right, this is your last warning, mm -hmm. and then it happens again. Maybe it gets elevated to a level two, yeah, and it's not something that you guys would need to see because it's it's so low, right? You have a bigger fish to fry. But if it happens again, 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 then it, it goes from level two right. to level one, right? Right. So then it was like, okay, now you guys go look at it, and that helps filter out those lower level like one time, two time offenses for just. It's like if I called an officer and they dropped the f bomb in front of me, I'm like, if they say it every other word, I might be like, doesn't really bother me, but this is a little unprofessional. Or the rudeness, like you, you said, you're having a bad day. Now, if they call me the there's a different story. Right. Same, same with the rudeness, but, right? If, it, if it's one complaint of rudeness because you're having a bad day and the officer just didn't come off perfect to you, right. then it doesn't need to get elevated all the way up. But again, if, like your example, you have 15 complaints of rudeness, right? Well, maybe we're approaching the inappropriate conduct phase. Right. I don't know. We'll have to look at all of it. Yeah. 
But how many of those are being reported by like you guys, like your peers, your colleagues versus the community? Like that's the key thing I got out of this. Like how many of these examples are actually going to be made by people interacting so, with the police? For the level three. No, now you got me. <laughs> the level, the level three, and then the inquiries, which are just complaints about department practice. Um, okay. Kind of like we talked. You didn't get. You guys didn't come for an hour and a half. Sorry, we were old calls, right? Um, but those, I would say that's probably like our most common complaint. Like I didn't like the way that X happened. I didn't like the way that. Joe was driving, I thought Joe was too driving too fast and he didn't have his lights and siren. He had his lights and siren on, he didn't make a complete stop at, at the intersection. Probably the more common of the type of complaints, right? This is, uh, it, just for perspective, we we're having this, this conversation because I, I, I mostly agree with you there is, I believe that we as police officers are held to a different standard. I get it. We should we we are already looked at that, like that by the courts and you know in the city of Lawrence. Let's look for. I, I agree, and it's upon those police powers that were held to a higher perspective. Take your property, you know, uh, use force against you. Take your take your freedom from. The complaints that are in level three, saying it right now, are the same thing that any other city employee can do. So the fire department can not use their lights. They can be rude. To, code inspector blah 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 so to me i feel like we're we're now taking away and holding a police officer to a different standard than we're holding everybody else in the city to and i don't know that we want to open up that floodgates the things that are provided in these police powers which are a lot of the level twos and the level threes i agree we're held to a different standard and so we we have to hold ourselves to a different standard i believe that the officers believe that too so they have a different standard to uphold than the city sanitation worker does then whoever you just name it because they have different responsibilities and different different powers but if a city clerk curses at me even one time i can complain to their boss yeah and you can still complain the difference is it wouldn't go to a cprb for the clerk and that's what we're discussing here so when I do equity trainings, I when I'm looking at people's codes of conduct and ethics and policy and administrative policies, um, I'm always looking for areas of gray because that's where bias lives. Anytime that there's a, that there's room for a lot of discretion on any individual or group, that group can you know act as a collection of their biases. And so I wonder with um, level three complaints. Um, we might look a little bit at that. And I like this idea about adding um, optional checkboxes to the complaint form. We call that a tripwire question in social survey design. At the end, we're maybe on 401.3 from the bias policing uh, document. Those could be like five checkboxes. And, and it would be later in the, in the form because you don't want to influence somebody's actual complaint language mm -hmm. and what they share. So that would have to be towards the end of the form for it to be best practice tripwire question. Mm -hmm. Um, but having that at the end so that somebody could say, oh, I didn't think that the, for example, the treaty, I wasn't treated with respect and dignity, I feel like. And so that would be at the end of the form of the checkbox. After their narrative? That's 401.3 part E would be. So, I mean, there would be, you probably wouldn't phrase it exactly as this policy language because maybe somebody just doesn't understand it and it's a little lengthy. Um, but you can like have these solicited as examples. So I really like that because I feel like that, um, it, you know, the education piece of the, of the community members and for the CPRB to say, well, I read their complaint, but when we asked them these specific tripwire questions, these they checked this box. And so they, they could review it differently, you know, compared to a different complaint group. Maybe somebody didn't check that. So the way the form would work would be like, 
their name, where it happened, when it happened, who it happened with. Demographic questions. And then what happened, and then demographic and tripwire, or you want demographic and then tripwire? Um, I would say that, so when I did the, the complaint form for the pollination, um, the health department, we did demographics at the start, but I think that that was influenced by the culture of patient forms and intake, where you do put demographics at the beginning. I would want to do a little bit of research before just saying something, because I care about, I don't want people just to go on something, but I think um, I wouldn't see an issue with demographics being able to start along with name. Um, those kinds of those kinds of questions just because it flows makes sense. Yeah. So I, I want to try to address both of your concerns, and I want to do that by going back to what Dr. Turner said at like I don't know minute twenty five in this meeting, and that was that this board. If you could go back to this slide, it kind of describes it. This CPRB is not just a complaint review board. It also advises the police department and advises the community and works as kind of a liaison to figure all of that stuff out. So our job here in the work group is to determine what we want the board to do, not how we want them to do it. If, we, if there's a form that they want to fill out and it's going to be structured a certain way, that's something for the board to figure out, the actual board, not for the work group. What the work group needs to figure out is, is this board going to review these complaints, whether it's racial or other bias-based, or whether it's all of them, or whether it's some of them, it's these and not those. That's what we need to decide in this work group. Are they going to investigate it? Is a third party going to investigate it? Are they going to accept? Are they going to accept the complaints? Are they going to be the only repository of the complaints? Are they going to take them all in and pass them into the police department? Is that how it's going to funnel? Are they going to still be able to go to the police department directly? That's what we need to figure out in here, not how we fill out the form. Be part no, of a work group to talk about the complaint process. And I think that um, the amount of specificity that we want to get into is just recommendations. I mean, I'm fine with getting that specific about these are the kinds of questions that could be on a complaint intake form. I don't think that that's an overstep or requires too much work. I mean, we've already talked about it pretty extensively. My so. fear is that we have 30 minutes left in this meeting and we have one more meeting. And to Harrison's point from the very first meeting, is that we tend to not follow through on these things and get them done in the city because we get bogged down in all of this other stuff that we are not tasked with doing. We have we have two, we have three hours total time to get this done, to give something to the city commission. Um, we've started taking notes about what our recommendations would be. And one of my recommendations is for the complaint intake process to have a specific form that will collect information that can provide data trends in the future. So I just want to put that in the record that that is a recommendation that I would like to add. Um, you asked us to prepare three questions, and I assume we're going to have breakout groups to do that and then have recommendations that we share together. Um, so, yes. yes. And, I, and I want to speak to our process because I appreciate Pamela Cam's uh, cautionary tale that one, these groups get together and then they, they don't do what they're supposed to do. And also just that we have a very limited amount of time and a heavy task ahead. And I do want to speak to process related to that. I also just want to name that you um, spoke to, and this goes back to the ordinance um, question earlier. And you made a comment that I also want to speak to. Um, what is the um, the 
primary role or roles of the CPRB um, and what is the work that the CPRB is tasked with that is complementary to the complaint process, but not just the complaint process. Um, there must be that. And we used an expression of um, something to the effect of, and one of the concerns that we heard from the community and that we've heard from the CPRB in the past and the commission's expressing the roles is that this group doesn't have enough to do. <laughs> and um, uh, because the scope was so narrow, I mean, that's, that's, I guess we're going to give a reason we could say that, but we can invent work to busy the group, <laughs> or we can make thoughtful recommendations on what's the optimal use of civilians community members in this context to advance the things that we want to have advanced. And so I just want to throw that out there too, is that um, they need to be thoughtful in terms of how you're using your time and what you're focused on. Um, if there is some reimagining of what, uh, what CPRB does or could be doing. So does our scope extend to reimagining the complaint process or the right the complaint process and the investigation process? Or are we tied to the concept of review? In which case we don't get involved with what the complaint form looks like. We don't it is important to understand how the police department investigates complaint. But we're not in charge of that. We are looking at the scope of our review, essentially, and what we can do if there is disagreement, perhaps, how we, you know, seek additional investigation or forward. But, but what part of review starts with the complaint form and and the departments again mm -hmm. it's important for us to understand mm -hmm. how it's done but let's focus on the scope of the work group which is mm -hmm. to the second sentence says the board provides an independent accessible and efficient means for which the public may submit a complaint of alleged police misconduct in a confidential manner I think you can say what information you want on the complaint that they're submitting to you. I, I well, if that is we'll what give you your time back and we can do groups or however you want to move forward. But I think the second sentence says that it's a complaint based review um, and that you are using the complaint to influence the first sentence. Um, and I think as a group, you can say what information you would like to review in light of the first sentence um, charge. So in the resolution, if you look at the agenda today, the commission identified areas that this work group could or may tackle. And so part of what we're doing is kind of dis discovering or determining how much of this we want to take on and can take on. We are the only group that's tasked with doing this. So nobody else is going to do a deep dive on any of these things outside of the work that we're doing. So that there's there's that context, but our work 
had a beginning and has to have an end. So we can't take on everything that we that under the sun. But receiving, investigating, resolving, and reporting of complaints with the public reporting related to the complaint process and the goals and responsibilities of parties relative to that. So it's fairly broad in the sense that the commission created this to do what you're doing, but how much you want to tackle and and to do it well is is part of the, the consideration within that. Um, and so I definitely think there's grounds to have our main recommendations that we want to focus on, and then we have smaller little recommendations that like we didn't have time to focus on this particular issue, but the city should do XYZ. Yeah, and or and, look into doing XYZ. And I think that's a great approach, and that's why we're doing it as a study. It's like, you know, in your conclusions, you can suggest um, additional areas. The commission may come back and say, absolutely, and we want to try and convince you to spend two more meetings just on this issue. So I, I have no idea. Or they may say, oh, Lord, no, <laughs> we're not. I don't know. So how are we going but to that's how you compile do, yes. this list? I mean, we've been talking around <laughs> I agree, like we, we should be in the doing phase. Um, so do you want us to have subgroups here? Do you want us to write what we want in response to these three and submit them? How do we compile it so that we can then decide what is a must have for most of us and what is a high in the sky later or to stricken it entirely? Yeah, so let's pivot to that that conversation so we can talk about how we're going to move forward. Um, on agenda item three that we were just looking at, we just did a great dive around the complaint process. I, I just want to note that that second major area was the CPRB, is it advisory oversight and or review capacity? So so you can speak to that um, and you, you can, but that's that's a really big, thick, hairy question, but um, there is, um, so anyway, that was that was articulated. And then board structure, membership, and qualifications. So who's on it? What skill sets do we need? Um, size, perhaps. And then what are the qualifications, onboarding, training required accordingly? So that, those were the general areas. And then the committee on the committee things, I want to I um, speak to that um, as well. Um, and then let's let's talk about the mechanics of it. Um, I saw in the paper Sunday that the committee, or whenever that was, that the committee on committees, and several of you had commented on this, has put together a set of draft recommendations. And I don't serve on that, and I've only read kind of what I've read from that, but my my understanding is that that was created because the city of Lawrence has an inordinate number of boards and committees. 48. Is it 48? Which is a lot. As someone who's worked with dozens of other cities, I just knew it was a lot because <laughs> it's a lot more than what other cities typically have. And it's unwieldy and it's hard to do a, a sufficient job to support those to get the good work out of there. So I think there's a really compelling argument for why that work is needed. That being said, this group has been meeting for months, I guess, um, to come up with recommendations. And one of the recommendations was specific to the CPRB. And so I just wanted to spend a few minutes just talking about that. But one of the things that um, the city's put major um, energy into is building out around a strategic plan. And so one of the ideas is to 
align all boards and committees within the strategic areas of the strategic plan, which is a best practice that a lot of cities do. There's a lot of good reasons for doing that. Um, but specifically the recommendation that would impact the CPRB was to, and correct me if I'm not, Combine it with the human commission. relations commission. Yeah, that there's a human relations commission currently, and then there's a CPRB currently, and a recommendation was that those be combined. Um, and this similar recommendations are being made about combining other boards. So that's a, a process designed to look at winnowing down the total number of boards and committees. So my way of thinking of it is created to solve a set of problems. We've been created as a work group to solve a different set of problems and, and we're tasked with making recommendations. <laughs> so knowing that that's out there, that's part of what we're here to do. Yeah, I, I have not read the strategic plan for the city, anything like that. My first thought is the two, the CPRB and the Human Relations Commission, under my understanding, serve two very distinct areas of concern um, that may overlap, but not always. And I think I would be generally opposed to the like combination of them, unless the new board has all of the new powers that we're recommending that the city may or may not choose to give to the CPRB, plus a strengthened Human Rights Commission. Because the Human Rights Commission, in my opinion, is a little lackluster too. Uh, but that's that's a whole that's a whole other work group. Um, so if they're to be combined, they need to have the strengths of both of its component parts. And I know that's kind of getting aside from maybe what you're asking, but generally, like I don't want to see literally months of my life go into well, we're combining the boards and we're not going to listen to your recommendations because now it's not the CPRB, it's the Board for Safety and Security. And so we will need to make a new work group to see what the Board for Safety and Security can do. Like, no. But let's let's assume positive intent, get our thing done, yeah, and then enough, let yeah. them deal with that later. Uh, but if we don't have anything, then it's easier to ignore us. Yeah. It's harder to ignore if we have a set of recommendations that is accessible so yeah. i suggest we all come with our own like bullet points of what we want in the recommendation oh did i jump ahead of you no that's where exactly where i was going so let's speak to that because we've already got some of that but i want to throw out a few ideas um for you on how we move the work forward and i've made some inquiries since last week because i was anticipating the heavy lift and the limited time and all the concerns that, that you identified um, relative to that. So the product coming out of this group is a study of X, Y, and Z issues that have been identified. Um, the commission stated an interest in um, learning what you've learned through this process and then your recommendations on specific issues. Um, what we've discussed as part of that is articulating in that study options and then pros and cons relative to that. Um, the value of doing that is that it's a little bit more 
inclusive of all the discussion and deliberations that went into recommendations. Because one one limit of only putting together recommendations is all the stuff that didn't make it in and why. And um, so what I've been flagging as you've been discussing is those things that might want to land in like a pros and cons list, if you will. Um, so anyway, that, that being said, and then this will be something that ultimately you produce and present to the commission um, as part of that. But to get there, um, I asked you to reflect on three questions for tonight's meeting. And some of you even sent, sent in some specific things that I know you're already thinking about. Um, but to get it on paper so that we can start doing some work, there's a couple of things that we can do. So one is I want to get your specific ideas and recommendations. And I threw out a framing convention, if you will, or a sorting convention of like easy wins, um, one bucket of easy wins that we can quickly agree on. And there's a bunch of them that I've heard pop up through this. Um, then there's a middle bucket that we're, we're probably mostly there. We just need to kind of flesh it out more. Um, but then, so those might take a little more work, but we can get there. And then there's a third bucket that we might be a lot further apart or we just got some strong differing opinions on that we may or may not be able to come to a final set of recommendations specific to those, but we need to name them because they're important to our work product and our process. So that's a way to think of that. Um, generally speaking, you want to only put forward the things that you've really thought through well. And if it's important and you didn't have time to think through it, you add that at the end and say, we think that this should be explored in greater detail than under it, or something like that. So that's a catch-all in terms of how we do that. So one way that we can do that is we can um, right now decide what areas are you most motivated to discuss, excited about, would love to dig into. And I've asked if we have the ability to do like a subgroup, if you will, that would be like two or three members that would be tasked not with drafting the, 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 um, the final recommendations, because that, that's a group process, but have one group that is interested in building out recommendation ideas for a full group discussion around board structure, qualifications, and membership. And two or three people go back through the notes, come up with ideas, and put it on paper that then is put in front of the full group so it's not discussed until it's in front of the full group. So everybody has a chance to weigh in. Um, we could do a similar group that is specific to the complaint process and capturing potential ideas to discuss on improvements to the complaint process or recommendations accordingly. And that group just takes off. Um, you could have a group that's specifically looking at oversight versus review or advisory um, or investigative authority, as an example, and does a deep dive on that. And so what we would be doing is using the, the talents and interests and the resources of the group to expedite those to get it on paper. So then we have a document that we're all talking about together. So everybody would still weigh in on each area. It's just 
without a written on paper from where we put it. So the idea is that subcommittee would come to the next meeting with <coughs> recommendations that they compile. And then we meet in the next meeting talk about what each subcommittee put together. But those members don't actually have to meet in person. They can email, email whatever together to get that list together. Yeah. So um, but if we do this, so keep in mind this is this is a public process and, and open meetings process. Um, you have to clarify a couple of things. You're really just capturing the notes to put on paper. Okay, so first of all. Secondly, you only talk to the one or two other people that are in your group while you're doing that. But you can't have additional conversations with other members because then you run the risk of potentially it becoming a serial meeting, which then is, brings up coma issues. So um, we'd have to be very, very clear about that. And I'm, I don't, um, I want to caution against saying that that group would be the ones that produce the recommendations. No. If I'm not on that group, I don't want to. Uh, no, I was just thinking that that, that committee, that, that subcommittee would have one person and those individuals would send it to the one person who would type it up to put it in one thing so that when we come in, they could write the recommendations on one of these things and then yeah. people could talk about it. That was kind of how I was envisioning it, but I, I was not suggesting more meetings. Lord retired. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah. here's the only issue I have with that is we're missing some piece of the expert. For example, I've never been a CPRB member and CPRB member is not on there. I'm missing that piece of the expert. If you've never been a police officer or a police officer association or even me now as an administrator, I don't necessarily have their view. But what I do see is we keep mentioning the three or four things that we have said are most important that the commission is important. And I'm betting you there's at least some things that are easy wins for us that we, sure. that we can get through. We might get pretty close on if we said, start talking about what level of complaints. We might get pretty close if we said, is this board going to investigate or not? But we'll know right away. We can just go to the next topic. So I guess I don't understand why we, when we have all the, we have every expert in the room, right? We have community experts, we have CPRB, we have the administration and the Let's just flesh out topics. I mean, we're gonna if we don't have consensus, we're pretty close to it right away. Let's find one that we can, so we can actually provide something to the commission. And that's my yeah. point of each so, of us going through all of this and coming in with our own notes, so that we can kind of divide up the buckets and mm -hmm. and start throwing out our ideas and see how much. Consensus there is. So how much of that, I'd like to actually do something like that while we're still here. What could we accomplish? I'd, I'd like to I'd like to hear what the group thinks about what level of complaints, how far are up we Because I heard a little bit of consensus on that. I realize consensus may not be 100%, it may be most people, but um, that might, that's one of the most major pieces of this entire thing. What is the CPR going to be going to see? All right. Yeah. Before we do that, I think it's a really good idea. I just want to kind of refocus the group a little bit because I know we've been together for a while and gotten a little more heated tonight than ever before. You look at the path of like the history of the group over the review board, right? It was created to review for racial bias based complaints. Why? 
because it was perceived to be a problem. It hasn't reviewed any of those. We have different uh, viewpoints on why that is. Some of us believe that it hasn't reviewed any because nobody's disagreed with the <laughs> That may be. Maybe it's because they're not noticing a trend. All right. Uh, but at the end of the day, the group was established for the purpose of creating a trust between the police department and the citizen of service. And I think that's what we need to focus on doing and how do we do that? What are the core things that this group can do? And it might expand later on in time. What are the core things that we can work on right now we can agree to going to lead to creating that trust? All right, is it a review process? And then the group looks at it and like, yeah, the police did everything fine here. They didn't, we want more fine, we want more follow-up, whatever. How do we create the trust? That's what we're here to do is create trust between these different groups within the city, the police department and the people that serve. That is the core mission of this review board. That's why it exists. I, I just wanted to kind of refocus the group on accomplishing that objective. We might not meet everybody's individual goals, but that's the community goal, right? I, I think we should lean into, I mean, uh, you've asked us to come with ideas today, and I think we've had, I, I, I view the purpose of meetings to be for us to have deep conversation and the things that we can't do over email, the things, you know, that might, that, that might require you to guys. I don't think we have done that today, and it's not that we, that we were doing real in doing that. I think that you did ask us today to come with our specific ideas, and to your points, I think, I think we've, we've been primed to have thought that through already. And I think that the subcommittee, in terms of like time management and what's best practice for um, getting a group of this size to agree to a, a small list of bullet points, I, I do appreciate the subcommittee approach. And I think it would um, save all of our time and prevent additional meetings if we um, well, down to the last meeting. So we're going to divide and conquer it a little bit. So, as long as the subcommittee's opinion doesn't become the work group's opinion. And we need plenty of time to discuss, everyone to discuss the subcommittee's recommendation. That's yeah. my worry, is that that suddenly we're out of time and that becomes the default uh, work group position. That's why we all need to think through all of the buckets mm -hmm. and, and come prepared to collaborate and collate and Try and come to some agreement instead of. I think we were prompted to do that, and we, we still kind of didn't a little bit. And I think getting to the last meeting, um, yeah, I think as long as everybody can weigh in, and I would love the last meeting for us to be talking about all of those final recommendations. But we don't need these groups, or are we breaking down the subcommittees or subgroups or whatever? I don't have time to deal with other people this week. <laughs> <laughs> Quite frankly. <laughs> So, so if we all were told to come with our right ideas, here, and we all have our ideas, can we just get some piece of the paper with the bucket, and then you write your ideas on yeah. it? I would love to see what you've got now in terms of what you're thinking. Two of you emailed me directly what you came up with, but I, I'd like to know what that looks like. Um, and 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 I'd like to just take a take a stab at it if we have a sense of what those buckets might be based on how we've gotten to this point now. Um, and then if people want to help capture the notes in the next day or two, you know, we can talk about that. Is there a review or investigatory? What's that? Review or investigatory? Yeah. So that's, add on that. 
That's, review. That's a big review. one. Review. 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 Everybody's in review. Right. We don't even need to talk about it. <laughs> review. Did we just decide that? Yes. Yeah. That's, that's what we're saying. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the major issues, and if we're still set, if we're still way separate, then let's bring some more things together. But we can accomplish things in the eight minutes because I I'm hearing things that has common ground, and yeah. I feel like everybody's put a lot of work into this. Some people look like CPRB have been working on it forever. Yeah, right. right? And so every every accomplishment that we have is a win for this group, and people these everybody's people have put a lot of time in it and a lot of heart, a lot of effort. And right now, I feel like we're going to walk away with nothing. If it's idea, idea, let's talk about the major topics. Let's see if we agree, if we don't agree, mm -hmm. to Ian's point. So uh, if we agree on level one, two, and three, um, then there is some other. So I agree, I thought was just I agree one and two. One. I agree on level one. And, and I can be persuaded. And we'll look up one. One is the, most so the most serious, yes. with the caveat, that they don't get criminal investigations while they're still under investigation by another agency. Right. So what are we agreeing? Like that we want the level level ones can cut level ones can be reviewed by the thank you. Thank you. She's right. Here's here's what I need to say, Jonathan. I, there, there's a little bit of me, and I'm not so I'm not I will be very clear. I'm not speaking for the LPOA on this. I'm just speaking for the way that I know that the chief likes to have trust. Right now we've been talking about you just get it if they appeal it. A smaller condensed version in executive session of what level one de department slates have had. Like, so it's not like we're giving you the whole Monty of here's every video here, but nobody, nobody um, asked for a review. So, cause I, I gotta be honest, I'm a little, when we go and we explain to a complaint, usually we take them video if necessary, we talk to, and so if we've sustained it, guess what? They're not, they're not going to go through the appeal process anyway because they got what they thought was right to sustain. If we don't sustain it, a lot of times, more than not, as we see, the CPRP is not going to say it anyway. So I believe that because I know the chief really wants to gain the public's trust and gain the CPRB's trust in that how we do things is the right way, that a condensed version, if not appealed in the executive session, would be okay too. How about level one? Just kind of a summary in executive session of what you got going on there. Level two is appeal. It's let's say, let's say an officer is rude, disrespectful. I watched a video of it. I went to trooper taking my client, who is a young biracial woman, cover her up, and as you couldn't see this, but he said, sit like she was a dog. Now, if she complained about that, that would be a level two, right? A level three. Right. Unless she said it was based on her race. Or unless she said that he used certain type of force. <laughs> Right, right. So what, what I did hear, what we did say is everybody agrees on level one. Yes. Right. right? Yeah. Wow, we've got consensus. Uh, okay. And I'm saying from the department's perspective, even if nobody appeals, we would we would we would be willing to an executive session give a smaller version, meaning we're not breaking out every you know video, but we'll give you an executive summary where the CPRB can witness the department's review process 
because this is what, in my opinion, this is what it's really about is do I trust my police department to do the right action? Not, not Officer Richardson, not Officer McCann, we're judging the department. You're judging the OPA, the investigation, you're judging me, the deputy chief of police, you're judging the, the chief of police. And, and so I would be willing to say that the department would provide that as we feel we can gain some additional levels of trust. And transparency. And transparency. Yeah, yeah. An executive session, but it is transparent. <laughs> yeah, and so so we need um we need all ideas relative to that on paper, um, so that we can read that and look at it. But that's that's a really rich area to explore. There were some level ones that are dealt with differently. Yeah, so that this is in the legal writing of the ordinance. So there's, there's, listen, there, if we can go through the caveats, there's always going to be caveats as determined by probably the legal part. If we're getting sued, are you probably going to get it? Probably not. If there's an ongoing court case, probably not, right? But a completed investigation is what I'm saying. But we don't have to say that. We can just say we want to expand what CPR reduced to include level one. I agree. We can also say multiple level twos if and, that's where we're at. And appeals from anything not necessarily bias-based. So because we will... <laughs> Well, because I, I don't agree with Greece. Well, that, that's where it sounds like we need to do some pros and cons. Yeah. So the foundational idea. I don't want to shortchange the, the discussion and debate that needs to happen around specifics. Yeah, but but remember, you've got recommendations. You've also got just the articulation of pros and cons relative to, and then if you aren't able to make a, a or don't have consensus on yeah. a recommendation, you do that too. But at least it's captured. What other areas uh, need to go up here? I would recommend also, because I'm a kind of a public practice person, I would recommend crafting some standards of review. In other words, it depends depends on you know are we are we reviewing the inclusion inclusions of facts facts drawn from the evidence and that invokes a different standard of review than a judgment about what's appropriate what's not you know you might you might go was I can I can write this up. Mm -hmm. Rather than try and explain okay. it, just on yeah. the standards of review. Standards of review, because some some categories of disagreement are entitled to a more deferential review, okay. mm -hmm. and others are pretty <clears throat> well. Add this, add this, and this is the sum. Well, the way you were explaining it to me earlier, is, is, are you talking about our role as CPRB when it comes to maybe looking into the standards of review for like how they right? Um, but when we're looking on biased policing, for example, well, no standards of review, no matter what it is that I mean, if we are reviewing the conclusions drawn after investigation, we need to establish some sort of a standard to draw the line between. What the pros get to decide versus, I mean, we have the same thing when it comes to review of administrative decisions. 
I mean, there's a certain reference to that. The would be to create the standards of review. Right. Is that currently going to be okay. Um, okay, that's something that can be thrown in as part of that that discussion. I'm just trying to capture what are the big things that that we're going to work around. <laughs> and we're going to have to, well, go ahead. Well, one of them is who can file a complaint? Yeah. Or who can file an appeal? Is it an involved person or is it a anyone who witnessed it or is it anyone they can live in New Zealand and they can see it on some video and file a complaint? That's not inaccurate, actually. That, I know. Are we writing out all of the recommendations we're going to look at them and rewrite I think we're right. I think we get big, mostly agree on. We got two. Well, that I will. Is that it? Trying to get big buckets too or, or broad things because otherwise we're That's gonna, a major one because we have issues right. with that at the board. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. I agree. Um, I you want to keep throwing up what you think the recommendations are great. I was just trying to get the buckets because I'm also yeah. keeping in mind for your time. And the board can throw them up. Let's yeah. get them up and then we'll flesh it out later. Credentials of who's on the board can be yeah, board a recommendation. Okay. Board may talk about. about. Yeah. Who's yeah. on the board? Can they add qualifications, advisory, oversight, like board purpose. Yeah. 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 Who's on the board? Composition qualifications. What recommendation they would to do that? I think they have my board purpose. Is <laughs> yeah, like, like advisory oversight, kind of between so, uh, I think like mediator. Several times, and I don't know the exact language, but there's a second piece of the board that really hasn't been exercised about uh, community involvement, including that language in it. So, but I don't remember what the specific language is, but that's the whole reason or half of or a third of the reason that the, the board was created. And it's just the police department with community outreach opportunities. So I don't know if we get consensus on this, but in my opinion, let's let's let this board start to do that because I have not seen that in the four or five years. So that's going to be a major piece of it. Then the recommendation should be that the board takes up a, a piece of that working with the police for how we're going to do it. Um, but it, it's not just about review; it's about outreach and, and being involved. Yeah, that that's why I had listed on here that that was the question I had for you about the community engagement piece. Um, where is that? Um, what role does the does the board have specifically that? I think it's a weird space to put board members in of, of PR or to be doing things for the police department without being staff of it. And that's where the community conversations where I had an issue with that. I felt, you know, people came thinking that the police had put on the community conversation, which could be a good and a bad thing also for the police. And so I think um, that's where, that's what I was trying to ask earlier in the meeting. Like, is this, is the mission about improving community trust? Is it about improving the image of the police to the community? Like they're, they're kind of different things. And so um, I would imagine that, you know, people who might be attracted to the board would be different based on that. And if we want people who maybe have um, more community touch points and connections or people who do, who maybe do have complaints and maybe they can understand the complaints, they may have uh, issues with, join, with joining that, that mission. So I have no issue with that. I, and I think Alex makes a great point. 
And I don't think it should be necessarily community relations. I think we're probably, but events to build community trust. Maybe it's not with the police department. Maybe it's with the board members. Don't know. But what I've what I've seen so far, this is not a indictment on it. Is that is not that's not been. I, yeah. I agree. I think it's about trust. Uh, like you can hate us, because people just don't like the police. Like they don't like consequences. I get it. People don't like. We're not everybody's favorite people. But trust us, right? We, we want to have your trust. You might not like us. I don't need you to like me, but I would I would hope that you trust me. Kind of thing. So well, and how do you build trust? By by creating a process that is appears fair. It's appears fair. fair and and shows signs of reliability and thoroughness. Hopefully it is fair. So I mean I hold together a, I, I was looking to see um good studies or or resources that contrast with oversight versus review versus advisory. Um, there's a, a document that I'll, I'll make available on the um, portal that is specific to computer, um, community advisory boards or civilian advisory board, which is a, is a different entity, but that exists specifically to do those things um, That and is, is different than how the CPRB has typically run, as I understand, or recently, but um, that I'll just offer that up as, as something to be thinking about as you look at where does the work begin and end? Um, is it specific to complaints and building public trust and confidence through a well designed and um, transparent process specific to complaints? And that's a role, or is there an additional? Role and to Alex's point, what are the tensions within that? Are, are you attracting the same people to serve, or is that become a different entity? So, um, and that's that's something that the group could produce recommendations that say CPRB should be this, but we recognize that there also needs to be this happening, you know. Okay, wait, yes, while well, I put a lot of weight to make complaints. And I think the more ways we have, it sounds good, but we have 20 different ways. I think less better um, because we have from police department to online to telephone to this way and that way, um, different um, new boards that I looked at, they only had one number. We would come in and talk to this person that will tell people at the form. I don't think that all of these people would have the time or the ability to assist someone in filling something out. Um, or have a language that's in Spanish. What if someone had a hard time articulating what they need? So I don't think, I think we need less it needs to be at maybe one or two ways, not 15 ways. It's a it's very interesting perspective. In the meetings, I guess, we are the community meetings. I was hearing want more ways to be able to complain. That's what I was hearing. Uh, they don't have to actually fill out the form. The form is not required. So you can call Assistant City Manager Casey Toon and make a complaint. Some people can't call. So there are people that were not 
considering they're people that don't have phones that have to borrow a phone. Um, people that are intimidated, it's just come down to the police department. That was also an issue. Um, people are intimidated going down to the police um, Trying to make it more neutral, I think. Um, even going through the attorney general's office, that can be intimidating for people. If we're trying to <clears throat> encourage people that may have a need to make a complaint, we need to make them feel safe and make it accessible to them. And so some of these, I don't feel some people would feel comfortable doing so, and I don't think it's accessible to some people that so instead of finding a solution, is it okay that I put refined methods to submit complaints and provide and provide assistance that's safe and accessible? And then we can talk about the how. But is that okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and safe and accessible was is a big part of what I'm hearing there, but access around it. And <laughs> you've identified things like plain language and 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 we were talking about video and visual and things like that. But we can make very specific recommendations that I think would improve that and then speaks to that greater confidence in the process. What else, what what other um have we not touched on? The yet? last meeting following up with the state and accessible, it was brought up about um third party having the ability to be able to file on behalf of the complainant, maybe not get the answer or get the, you know, the I could, that can be debated, you know, but just having to, you know, that third party standard. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. No, yeah. is that okay? So I don't know what we're going to write down eventually. I know you're just taking notes okay. right now. But <laughs> so if, we're, if we have buckets, that wouldn't be my agreeable bucket. Yeah, <laughs> that makes no. sense. Well, that's what will, yeah. I just want to make sure we're fleshing out that we really have three different. Yeah, buckets. I think we had two different scenarios last time. It wasn't just like maybe would it be faster for you? To just say what you're not willing to agree to from the yeah, beginning. So, uh, well, we know so, where we need to go. So, I no, you don't follow my lead. So, please understand that. But I do think we were no. coming to what was consensus and not consensus. So, I think we found a couple of really good things that, that were, were to consensus. I think that that maybe uh, bears greater discussion. But most, and I, I think you laid out a pretty well thought out scenario last time. Mostly what we see is exactly what you said. And we get calls from New Zealand or just maybe it's somebody Lawrence. Lots of times it's out of the state. And to give that person an appeal process on something that they're uninvolved in is kind of ludicrous. If you're thinking how do you assess the reliability of the outcome of the police department? Right. Yeah. yeah. I, okay, I, so that'll I, be one of the that's a question. That we need to yeah a, first first party it happened to me absolutely I think maybe where the most discussion could come in is or even second witness. part I witnessed right I there so there's some things I, I'd probably go yeah if you're saying you witnessed a use of force that seems pretty pretty reasonable to me right uh, but there there might be other things that I go I don't know how you would know the answer to that question yeah, I, I think we got to kind of a sense about like you know, people who are unable to uh, file on their own. You know, I, I can't remember. I have it in my notes, but um, we did agree about obviously you have to be realistic. They're not going to get the outcome of the investigation. They're not going to get, you know, certain um, elements that happen with the actual complainant. They're not going to get the benefits. But I think it was something that was brought up last time um, 
where there was a third party involved and uh, maybe even the CPRP was involved somehow. I don't remember. Like but, a support uh, party kind of? Like yeah. you're there signing support kind of a deal. So yeah, just like um, we were kind of a, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, so for those of you who've already written down or or had had um had uh, ideas already captured in advance of tonight, we um we need to collect that. Um also as you're hearing these, I want you all to be prepared to weigh in on what you're thinking relative to this. So what might that, your idea about a recommendation look like relative to that? Um, so, wait, what's the directive there? Are you wanting people to write it on the paper? Or are you wanting, like, the people that had ideas, are those ideas not reflected here? So that's where I was going. Um, Sorry. Am I getting all this from you? Is anybody wanting to do any part of this as a subgroup over the next couple of days? Like, how are we doing that part? That's what I need to know. Because I hear an appetite. Some of you are saying, yeah, I'd like to do some work specific to one of these areas. And then others are saying, I don't have time. I'll see you in a bit. So where are you at? I have time to do the work. I don't have time to coordinate with other people. If that makes sense. Yeah, because I'm trying to coordinate with other people and I have to work this and I have to raise the kid. So I committed to this. So I'll do what I have to do. I think everybody has to know about what they're able to do. But I think if it's important to somebody to get their idea out so we can have a discussion, I think anybody, it doesn't have to be a subgroup. I think anybody could, anybody in this group could certainly bring that. Yeah. And then I think as we, as we look at next week, right, we, we just made more progress. Like, like, 20 minutes that's made decisions that the CPRB has made in three years. That's why we got So, so, so <laughs> the next meeting, we would start with, if we don't do subcommittees, then the first thing that would need to happen is for all ideas to be readily visible by everybody. So the first 10 minutes of the next meeting would be reading people's ideas before we start talking. Well, can we email them to Jonathan and he gets them out to us? I love it. Yes. Let's do it. Right away. The next, yeah, we need to do that. Wednesday by 5 p.m. Wednesday by 5 p.m. Get your ideas to Jonathan. <laughs> I don't, Thursday 5, something like, let's set a date. I'm starting to get Wednesday by 5 p.m. So. You've submitted all of your Draft ideas to me in an email. Yes, and, and then by Friday at five, it gets sent out all of us. Friday at five, is that quick enough for you all? Yeah. Yep. Okay. If it really happens, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and is there anybody who wants to dabble with any subset of this with me sometime between now and Friday? I think they can send that to the you in the email. Let me know. Let me know if you want to help kind of pull some. So I'm very comfortable with that. And then on um, Monday, uh, a few of you said, one more meeting, I'm done, I'm out. A few of you reached out and said, if we need to, can we negotiate another meeting um, or some other um, uh, construct of this? I want to make sure that you feel really good about your final product. That's what's important to me. Um, so if anybody wants is is 
is, um, I, and I don't want to belabor this. I've got like, just like all of you, I've got another life, you know, so I don't want to see this going forever. I just want to make sure that we have enough time to do it right and do it well and that you feel good about the final product going forward. So um, if you have thoughts on Monday that we're needing some other time or something, I guess we're talking about it then. So yes. is that... <laughs> Is that I think people's decisions based enough. on how much progress we make next time? Yeah, I think we'll have a good feel for it at that point. To the extent people can get as specific as possible on their position, yeah, that'd be great. That would be helpful to just say, well, it should have more of this. It's yeah, very helpful. Great. And topic, the, what are the topics you want to do? The, the, the three questions prepared for today. Yeah, and um, what would be useful for me is both. Ideas on recommendations, and then if you wouldn't mind, if you're particularly invested in a particular area of this, you wouldn't mind articulating what you think some of those options, pros and cons would be as well. I think the commission would really appreciate that so that we're giving them something beyond just our recommendations, but also helping them kind of wrap their heads around the, um, the issues more broadly. So that's great. This is heavy stuff. Really appreciate it your work and uh, look forward to seeing what you um, send in and um, make it all happen on the day. That's great. Okay, thank you very much. There's a little bit of food left over um, and I'll see you next week.